I want them. And I say this to my um, assistants is you're interviewing me equally. I want you to like go out to other salons. I want you to ask me questions. I want you to really like figure out like, am I the right fit for you? And are you the right fit for me? And then if that's a yes, then let's try a couple days of just seeing if this works out. And then if for some reason it doesn't, then that's okay too. Cause I don't want to invest three months of time and do a three month probation period is what people call it. And then have it not work out because it's a lot of wasted energy on my behalf and a lot of wasted time that I could have put into someone who would actually work. I'm just a hairstylist. How am I supposed to be a photographer, a social media manager, a receptionist, a marketing manager, and an entrepreneur as well? Welcome to the Secret Life of a Hairstylist podcast where we shatter the term I'm just a hairstylist and help inspire you behind the chair. I'm Samantha and I'm a hairstylist, educator, and salon owner, and I want to help inspire you with tips from how to manage your social media, to how to sell retail, to how to continue a positive mindset making you more money as a stylist. Every week, I will share my own experiences over the last 10 years, plus bring in amazing experts from all over the hair industry to share their secrets on success. So what do you say? Are you ready to challenge yourself, get inspired, and build your dream business behind the chair? Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Secret Life of a Hairstylist podcast. I am your host Samantha Lacoste and I'm in a really good mood today. It is actually my birthday. Um, I have had a crazy busy day though. I've barely had time to rest and I thought I had like all the time in the world this morning um, to well put this episode up and then I realized nope I am busy 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 right through to the end of the day so I am posting this episode now um I am super excited to post this episode or um put this episode live because I had so much fun doing this episode with Laura like it was such a blast that you'll even hear at the beginning we were just bursting at laughing and I didn't even want to delete that because I thought it was just fun and a great way to start an episode so we are talking about assistance and I chose Laura to do this episode I found her well I didn't find her she's we see each other on Instagram all the time or changing, exchanging comments and all of that. And she was in a clubhouse room on a talk about having assistance, utilizing assistance. And she had some really, really amazing insight on working with assistance that I knew I had to have her on. So the moment the clubhouse room had ended I messaged her right away I wrote down like 15 questions that I had because myself as I can imagine most of you um, and I mean just by the amount of people in the clubhouse room that had questions we have questions about utilizing assistance and I have been utilizing assistance or um, I've hired assistants and worked with assistants over the last few years and sometimes you just can't are still trying to figure out your groove with them, uh, different ways of, you know, keeping them busy and how to maximize your time with your, with your clients, how to book your clients, all these different things that come into play when working with assistants. So I really wanted to bring her on to chat about that and share with you as well, how you can utilize your assistance to the best of your ability. So we are talking about all the things um, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's bring on Laura. No, I does that. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Oh, okay. 
Hello, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. Um, I will admit that actually this is a little bit, um, uh, I, I did this for personal reasons too, because I have been working with assistants for a while and I feel like I've never been able to find like my perfect groove with working with assistants. Um, so I'm excited to talk with you about this today. Uh, cause I've gotten a lot of like different, um, advice from different people on how to work with assistants, but I feel like not all of them have necessarily worked depending on how they're booking and like, you know, the type of services that they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. So welcome to the podcast. And I would love if you could share a little bit about yourself, um, for our audience. So they get to know you a little bit better. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here and for you to pick my brain per se through this. It's going to be really fun. And this is something that I share with you right before we jumped on is a lot of, got a lot of questions about utilizing assistance, how to properly work with them and figuring out ways to make it easy, not more stressful, which we'll get into all of that. Um, but I have been a hairdresser behind the chair for 18 years now. And 17 of those 18 years, I've used assistance. So I was, I'm going to go way back. I was one year on the floor and my current salon at that time gave me the opportunity to start working with assistance at a really young age. I probably felt very unprepared, but I dove into it because I was fresh out of the program myself. And because of that, because of my training of where I came from, um, I really learned quickly how to lead and how to utilize assistance in a manner that was beneficial to the business and obviously the salon. And then I think through that, I mean, I, I joke around that I honestly don't know how to not use an assistant in the salon now because I'm so dependent on having an extra set of hands to support me throughout my day. So I worked in commission salons for 17 years and both salons, I had assistants that I mentored and trained. So for me, working with an assistant, isn't just getting the opportunity to have someone help you and you to make more money. That's the benefit, but the utilizing an assistant is more about you stepping up as a mentor and teaching them what, you know, allowing them to learn and support you at the same time. So by the time they're ready to go on the floor, they're in a place where they've almost gone through what I call a master's program that they can take on a lot more, uh, let's say strategic color placement or a difficult client. Like they're prepared to be a really great stylist when they're done that program with you. So I've been a mentor to assistants. I've um, created assistant programs within salons. I've, I've always been really involved with the younger generations and it's something that I really love to do. And I think that if I were to do hair by myself behind the chair, I would probably sink at this point because it's really hard for me to do things um, without four sets or four hands, two sets of hands. Awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like it is a conversation that is not talked about enough. And I feel like I've been trying to seek out so much information over the years on properly how to how to utilize your assistant in the best way possible. Um, because yeah, you really, you know, it's, it's a job in itself, right? Like you have to not only utilize them as like your, uh, for assisting you, but it, it's, it is truly 
the purpose for them to get on the floor and start taking clients eventually so that they can in turn make money and make you money as well. Right. Being in the salon and being, being another, um, stylist employee, depending on, depending on the structure of your salon, but, but that is the goal. They're not going to be your assistant forever. So, um, you have to give them as much education as possible. And so I'm excited to pick your brain on this. Um, we, or I had, I had listened to you in a clubhouse room and, and I've been kind of keeping my eye on and when they're going to have their next, uh, next talk about this, but, uh, you were somebody who had a lot of really good insight on, on utilizing assistance and, and how to book properly with them, um, and how to maximize yours and their time. Um, and there is again, so much that goes into it. So I would love just to start off too, with like the process of hiring assistant. Cause I think that's really where it all starts, right? Um, how to hire somebody that works for you. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to constantly be firing people or, um, wasting yours or their time. So let's just start with the process of how to hire the right assistant for you. Yeah. Hiring is really like, it's like the one-on-one and I really believe that you have to know why you're hiring somebody, what your business stands for. Why are you, you like, what are you utilizing them for and have a very clear direction of what you're wanting your business to look like behind the chair. And then you utilize them to essentially fill the gaps to support you within your business. So I think the one place that I see stylists who are looking to hire fall short is that they don't have clarity of what the purpose is to have them. And it's just to, let's just say double book, or it's just to allow them to like have somebody in the room to support them. And that's where I feel like the downfall from the beginning happens is if you don't have clear vision of who you're hiring, what your culture is, what you stand behind and the purpose of bringing them on, you're going to hire the wrong person. So I, when I opened up my own, um, salon this last year, I was very intentional about who I needed. And because I had so many years under my belt of utilizing training and working with assistants, I've ran the mill of having all types of assistants <laughs> support me. And I've had to learn to be really flexible with those personalities. But because of that, I know who I work best with now. And so for me, I know personality wise who I need in my salon and what's going to work and what's not going to work. And it's not like a cookie cutter where if you don't fit the mold, you're not going to be, you're not going to cut it, but it's really about is that person going to jive with my culture? Is it going to jive with my salon brand? Are they going to connect well with my clients and do they take direction well? And you can tell a lot of that by um, their personality when they show up for the interview, what their extracurricular activities are, like what types of things they do outside of the salon and um, getting a feel for, I think their work ethic to the best of your ability. So I always would suggest to have a couple of working interview days where they don't get paid, but they kind of shadow you and they get to see how you get to operate. And I said this on a most recent clubhouse is that I'm a very direct person and I probably could be intimidating is what I've been told <laughs> because of that. But because I'm direct, it allows them to really like, there's no BS for with what I have to say. Like, I'm going to tell them what's working, what's not working. I celebrate the wins, but at the same time, if something isn't cutting it, like I'm not going to wait around and hope that they're going to change. I'm going to address it from the get-go. And I think when people interview with me, they can feel that energy. And that to me is when I have someone that I'm interviewing, I want them. And I say this to my um, assistants, you're interviewing me equally. I want you to like go out to other salons. I want you to ask me questions. I want you to really like figure out like, am I the right fit for you? And are you the right fit for me? And then if that's a yes, then let's try a couple of days of just seeing if this works out. And then if for some reason it doesn't, then that's okay too. Cause I don't want to invest three months of time and do a three month probation period is what people call it 
Mm-hmm. And then have it not work out. Cause it's a lot of wasted energy on my behalf and a lot of wasted time that I could have put into someone who would actually work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I I've had a lot of assistants over the years too, who have felt that they're not getting utilized to the best of their ability, um, in the salons that they've worked in. And, and, you know, sometimes it just takes like working at a few salons to figure out which one works best for you. Um, and I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing to work at a couple different salons to kind of get that feel and, and to understand what works for you or to realize, you know, um, what's out there and what's good for you. Right. Um, or, or how good you could have it in one salon and not even realize it. Right. So, right. right. Um, do you have like any specific questions that you ask them in the interviewing process or anything that you find is kind of like your like meaty questions of, uh, of, of pinpointing, like that they will be the best fit for you. That's a good question. So, you know, I probably could ask more, cre- I hear some amazing creative questions that I'm like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> but again, cause I'm so direct and blunt. I'm just like, I just kind of lay it all out there. So I definitely like to know like, what is their long-term goal, which some people can answer really easily. And some are like, I don't know. And that's really cool too. Like you don't have to know it, but I just need to know if, if it is wanting to work independently, do you want to open your own salon? Are you wanting to like be part of a team? Like what is your long-term goal? And their answer is going to help me get a better idea of what they're needing and what type of support that they're needing within their program. Cause everyone coming in, wants different results? They all have different goals. Some of them are like a hundred percent. Like I want what you have. And that's that's the easy, that's the easy people to work with, (laughs) but there's other people who definitely are wanting to like dream even bigger than what I've even dreamt for myself. And those are the ones that really challenge me in a great way and allow me to think outside the box of how can I support them? And is this a good fit? So I really like to get a vision of like, where do they want to be? And I don't ask the question, like, where do you want to be in five years? Cause I don't even like answering that question personally, <laughs> but it's like, where do you see yourself? Like, what do you, what are your aspirations and dreams? What got you into the industry? What are your favorite things to do behind the chair? Uh, what are your extra, like, what do you like to do outside of the salon? Like outside of hair, like what are the things you love to do? And for me, I'm multifaceted. Like I love yoga. I love working out. I love taking care of my body. I love reading. I love traveling. So there's a lot of things that I love to do that don't have to do with being in the salon, but that also gives me a really big idea of how they operate. And if somebody per se is like, well, I don't have a lot that I do outside the salon. That's not a bad thing. That just tells me that maybe they're not goal driven and that there's other things in their life that fulfill them in different ways. And it is allowing me an inside scoop of like, who are they at their core? So it's not a judgmental point of trying to figure them out with outside questions, but it's getting a, a overall big picture of, are they going to fit in my salon culture? And Salon culture to me is a lot of different things But my three big culture points of my salon is one relaxation, um, and pampering. So that's a really big thing. And if they're not comfortable with, let's just say touching people and giving people that extra attention, they may not be a good fit for the salon. So maybe there's questions around that. Like, how do you feel about interacting and touching people? Are you a hugger? Are you someone who likes to keep distance? And that will give me a good indicator if they're going to fit what I need them to fit because we do a lot of massage, hand massages, treatments, scalp treatments, neck massages, because it's about pampering our salon and our clients that come in. Um, number two, our culture in our salon is excellence. So everything is to the utmost 
excellence. Like I'm a perfectionist at heart. It's probably to a fault, but I don't really care because when it comes to my salon, when people come in, they expect repetition, they expect consistency and they expect excellence. And so that's encompassing with our conversations that we have, um, how you show up, how you dress in the salon to how you just even operate and what you do with your free time is all about excellence. And then the third one, I'm probably going to space this right now for some reason. I wrote these down recently and I'm, let me try and think back to my third, uh, value. Excuse me. I do that all the time too. I was like, we have four or five things. Like we have like four core values within our salon, within our salon. And I always forget the fourth one for some reason. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> I know I have a million notes, girl. And this is like, you know what? Here's the real, real about getting into a podcasting. <laughs> it's that sometimes these things come up. Um, I literally wrote these down and I'm probably going to find them again. This is so silly that I can't remember even my core values. Um, but when I find it, I'll share it with you. But my point to all that is by having my core values identified ahead of time allows me to ask those questions that are going to get me a better answer to if they're going to fit that culture. Mm -hmm. So I know that sometimes, and and I think this is a really, really hard one for a lot of salon owners or, or people who are training assistants and where we really tend to struggle is, you know, reality is, is we're not always going to find somebody who perfectly fits us. We thought it was going to be amazing, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. So I assume that in the 17 years of you having assistance that this might have come up once or twice. Um, cause reality is, is that it does happen. So how do you handle like how, you know, if they, you know, a few, a couple months down the road, you realize, you know, it, you're just not, uh, they don't seem like the right fit. Maybe they like, they have potential, but they're just not getting it or, um, or whatnot. How do you handle that? Like, is it a quick fire or do you, um, you know, how much time do you invest in them before you realize like, it's really just not going to work out? It's a really good question. Yes. I've had, I've encountered this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that as a leader and as a mentor, most importantly, that you really get to understand who that person is and figure out like, what is, what are, what are the hangups? Maybe there's ADHD. Maybe there is, um, dyslexia. Like maybe there's actually something that they don't, they're not aware of, or maybe they are aware of that's not allowing them to learn to the capacity or to like as fast as you're wanting them to pick up on things. So there could be possibly more repetition, more reminders, different conversations that need to be had. So you can better teach that person. I think that everyone has a different learning type and you have to, as a mentor, understand what their learning type is. And then you teach to that. So I was definitely one of those kids in school where I struggled in high school immensely. And I was not your average learner. I definitely had a really hard time um, comprehending like honestly, like math and English were my two struggle points because I have dyslexia. And so, because I didn't learn the, the normal way I was labeled as not being intelligent. So I I have a lot of empathy for people that come into our industry and struggle with other things because they don't always learn the same way. And I have to be adaptable to that. So my first conversations is really figuring out like Tim for me, like, what am I not doing enough of? What do they need more support in? How can I help them understand what we're needing to get done? AKA time management is usually the biggest one that most um, assistants struggle with. And then as well, like, let's just say small tasks, like keeping things in order for me, I'm all about organization. And if I'm having to repeat, like, can you please sweep the floor? Can you please pick up that towel? Like to me, like they're not picking up on, like they're not understanding what I'm needing to have done. So it's just reminding them in a manner that's going to give them like a checklist or some type of way for them to feel accountable. If I feel that over, let's just say, 
the next 60 days, if that's still not enough, then we will have another conversation. And it's going to be, is this like the right fit? Like I kind of, I, I give them like a good opportunity and a good chance to like, let's pick things back up. But if I really feel that there is a lag in maybe just, um, maybe they're just not as excited. Maybe they thought like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm not as excited. And I'm noticing that change in personality. I'm going to talk to them about it. And that's the beauty about being direct is that I don't really care. I care about their feelings, but if it's not the good fit, if it's not the right fit for them, I don't need to like, I don't need to pull them along. I want them to be as excited to be a part of the team and want to build what I'm building and get them on the floor. Cause I'm as excited for them to be successful behind the chair as they should be supporting me and my, my um, salon and my clients as well too. So, you know, I think that there's definitely a little bit of grace that needs to be given to them as a, as a learning curve, but at the same time, if it's not the right fit, you just have to have those hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like definitely one of those people who has, I, I, I just feel so guilty, right? Like you get that like guilty feeling in you, but then you know that like at the same time, I'm like, this is my business. Like I have to separate the two. And sometimes it may take me a little bit longer to either realize or, or just actually like do like do it and actually um, let them go. But you have to really like separate that personal from business because at the end of the day, like if it's costing you money, you have to do something. You have to have those conversations and those hard conversations because it's going to cost you money and it's going to end up um, screwing you over in the end. So you have to like, you really have to, I, that's something that I've learned over the years is you really have to separate that, that business and personal. It's a huge thing. 100%. I also, t- yeah. And I also, um, I've started doing, I love that you like asking those um, personal questions and, like they're learning the, the way that they learn, um, I started doing the Enneagram test with mm-hmm. my staff. And I find that is so fascinating to learn how other people are, how they learn, um, and just kind of like their mindset in different things. I found that that was really cool. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stylists do the Enneagram testing for assistants, especially, um, and their whole team is so beneficial. I don't know enough about the Enneagram. Like I know what mine is and I know what certain other numbers are, but I still have a lot more research to do on that. And time is, definitely against me when it comes to researching those types of things. But I think that anything that you could utilize as a tool to help you better understand who you're hiring, what they're needing is going to be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So I want to kind of switch it over now to um, how to book with an assistant, because I think of this can be a really big struggle for a lot of stylists and knowing how to book depending on the types of services that you do. So what are some like the, uh, I guess, start with the services that you do behind the chair so that people can better equate with how they would book. Um, and then how you start to book and utilize an assistant, um, to maximize both of your time. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so something that came up not too long ago was how do how do you utilize an assistant? And I'm going to just start off by saying like, there's no one way of doing this. It really is dependent upon your business and what you're wanting it to look like. So for me, this is going to be all what I choose to do. I work three to four days behind the chair and I have a pretty, I would say my clientele in all honesty is about 150 people. That's all I have. Like I'm really limited on who I see. And I will say this with a place of like, I'm very humble and very grateful for this number. I bring in about $250,000 behind the chair a year. So I do really well within a short period of time and within utilizing an assistant. So they do support me in order to hit these really big numbers behind the chair. 
Um, and at the same time, there obviously is a lot of expenses that come out of that. So I get to understand that when I say that number, it's not, that's what I take home. That's the overall like gross. And then Thank my net's going to be different. Because yeah. I think that's a big thing. People are like, oh, I'm a six figure stylist, but like, that doesn't mean you're bringing home six. Yeah. Figures. So yeah. Thank you absolutely and uh, that's a whole other conversation we can have about <laughs> being a six-figure stylist but expenses do come out of that and my assistant is part of that expense a large part of that expense um however how i choose to operate is i do double book so that's why i kind of wanted to build this up to where it was mm-hmm. at i do double book um, i utilize every like minute of every day to its capacity we book lunch breaks when we can i'm not the stylist that's going to have like lunch breaks booked out months in advance um, but i do go through the week and i make sure that we have time at least 30 minutes at some part of the day even if it's a processing time that we can actually take a quick lunch break and like reset So I do a lot of, um, I specialize in colors and cut, I'm sorry, colors and extensions. Um, I have quite a bit of root touch-ups. I honestly love my root touch-up clients. They bring me a lot of consistent business. And then I also specialize in doing like multidimensional color. Um, I'm not a, I like balayage. It's not like my biggest strong. It's not my biggest money maker. I'll put it, be honest. Um, but extensions are, so I do a ton of extensions. So the days that we have color appointments, it's going to be booked in about 45 minute increments and it will be like color, color, cut, cut. And throughout that time, because we have two people at the same time, my assistant, her role within this is to greet the client at the door, get them prepped with a, with a lavender massage ritual, um, give them any type of like water, coffee, tea, snacks, and get them set up for the appointment. And that's when I get to come in, consult, formulate, apply, and then I move on to the next person. So before I move to the next person, my assistant's doing the exact same thing, as I mentioned before, on my second appointment and keeping that day running really smooth. And then throughout like the shampoo experience, she'll do either toners, uh, root smudges, uh, treatments, as well as I'm finishing up my other color appointment. And so by the time they come back into my chair, I'm ready for that appointment. And then she's on to the next person. So it's just this like well-oiled machine where she's trained and I've taught her all of these tips and all these things that create a really special experience in our salon that allows my client not to feel rushed. They don't feel like it's a machine. They don't ever come in and and say, Oh, like you guys are so busy. Like most of my clients will say, I feel so relaxed. And that's because of the music we choose, the ambiance we have in there, the conversations we have and about how Sarah supports me within all of that allows us to have a really relaxed environment. So it's not just a machine. And I've worked in machine salons before and it's tough. Like it's high pressure on a stylist. It's high pressure on the assistant. The client feels the pressure. Like it's honestly not something I enjoy doing. I've done it. Um, it obviously brought that salon a lot of money as a commission stylist at that point. And I understand why some salons operate that way. But to me, I wanted to have a little bit slower pace, but still allow my assistant to feel like the, they're fully utilized the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I, when I was an assistant years ago, <laughs> I had, um, the, the way that we worked. And I mean, this was like 12 years ago, so it was completely different, right. Um, in, in the, you know, the types of services that we do now, um, the, the way things are run and the mentality that people have around services. And so I would do all of the root touch-ups and then they would do the cut. So there would always be like, they'd have the two or three people going at a time. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, throughout the years. And and that's just how I was trained, right? Like I worked under four stylists, I did all the root touch-ups and then they did the haircuts or highlights or whatever it was. Um, And through the years, 
kind of that mentality shift and, you know, having conversations with different people of, well, why would I pay my stylist their, their amount of money or their their Um, service, um, service charge for their assistant to do my color. So does your assistant do like touch the hair with color or I, I know you said toners, um, do you utilize them in any other way or are they like when, when they're setting up your client, are they just watching or, um, I guess I'm, I'm asking a lot of questions in this question. No, but, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but, um, do you ever come across that if they are touching hair, um, your clients asking that question of, well, I want you to touch my hair. So I came from a salon like yours where Mm -hmm. I was trained to do root touch-ups and this multiple stylists that I also assisted. We sound like I came from a very similar salon. Um, I would do like, I cranked out root root touch-ups, excuse me, like a boss. Like by the time I was done my program, I was like the root touch-up queen. And Mm -hmm. I learned obviously the hard way with doing that on my senior stylist clients that I, I obviously made mistakes. So long story short, no, I don't operate that way. Um, I, I didn't personally like that because at that place of my business, I did get clients, especially when I got price increases, right. They were like, okay, so you're raising your prices, but your assistant's still going to touch my hair. And I had some clients that pushed back and it was really hard because I was abiding by the salon's request and what they stood behind. And we were an education-based salon and that's how I was trained at the same time. I did also understand this, what the client was saying was like, I'm paying you to do my hair. And I was always told by this previous salon, which don't get me wrong. The salon trained me well. And this is why I'm as, mm-hmm. as successful where I'm at today. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I talk with my hands a lot. And I hit my mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they said, you can train a monkey to apply color. It's about the formulation. And I just never, that never landed with me. That was always a really hard line for me to like a hard pill to swallow. I'm like, I just don't feel, I don't feel the same way as they felt. Not to say it's a bad business model. It's just not how I choose to do my business. Mm -hmm. So, um, Sarah supports me with like foil placement. So meaning that she'll hand me the foils, like for her, her education comes into play when it's the actual application, watching her do her clients on her days that she has on the floor, which she's a new talent stylist. So her prices are a little bit less obviously than what they would be starting out, but that allows me to see, okay, here's where she needs more support. And so when I'm doing my client's application, I tell Sarah, here's why I'm doing this. And it's reminding her things that she may have struggled with on a previous client. So she can look and see and learn as to what she can do differently. And will there be a time where maybe she's closer to being on the floor full time and she starts to do root touch-ups? Yeah, that's going to happen. And then I'll start paying her for those because that's her next evolution out of the program being on the floor more full time. So I feel like that if a client's coming to see me and they're paying me my prices, I want them to know they're fully getting hundred percent of me, even though I have two people in the room at the same time, um, it's going to be hundred percent of me where I'm at. So wherever I'm at, I'm very present with that client. Even if there are two of them in the room, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm ignoring somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there any downtime that your assistant has that, um, she might be standing around or do you feel like she is like 100% utilized all day? She like everything that she's doing. Um, she is able to keep super busy or if there is that downtime, like what do you ask her to do during that time? There is downtime, especially if there's some days, which it doesn't happen often where there's cut days. Mm-hmm. 
and cut days are really hard on the stylist. Yes, as you I, know. I hear you. <laughs> I'm like, man, where's my color people today? Um, so the cut days, there's a lot more downtime and she actually gets utilized in a lot of different ways. So other than foils and towels and salon upkeep, there are other tools that we, that we use in our salon for marketing. So she might be working on some type of like email that we're sending out to our clients. So she supports me in that area. Um, because I do have a small salon suite. It's like three of us right now. We're expanding into four pretty soon, but it's still a small team. And so she does get utilized for some admin work at times, which I've asked her for that work. And she also also gets paid for that. Um, that's not expected obviously for all assistants. Let's just put it out that let's just put that out there. It's not a normal request that we get at the same time. She's looking the reason why I'm sharing these things with her is that she is looking to be her own, um, salon suite as well at some point and wanting to be a booth rent stylist. So because I know that I'm teaching her those tools. So if somebody came to me and said, no, I want to work under you and be a commission stylist under you, totally different training. I wouldn't put those obligations on her, but because I know where she's going, I'm going to start teaching her business stuff as well. So she understands the numbers, she understands the operations behind that. So there are things where I may have her run like an errand for the salon where we have to like go get more um, supplies for like snacks and drinks and wine. And maybe it's going to be that she, like I mentioned, does some admin work behind the scenes where it's putting in like inventory, or it's maybe getting some new flyers printed off for our current sale coming up. It's those types of things that we keep her busy with. And then if there's time that she just stands around and watches, I have 18 years of people doing that, which I don't care. Like if you want to please watch me, like you cannot learn enough by watching somebody. And you know that, like whenever you go to a class, I love watching how people do hair, how they comb the hair, how they cut the hair. And there's so much power in that. And I think it's not until you're actually doing hair that you realize how important it is to watch. Cause there is that point in the assistant program where they're like six to eight months in and they're rolling their eyes. Cause they're like, this is so boring, but that's really when like, it's in the middle of it, when you have to pay attention even more because your attention span, you think, you know, it all, but you don't. It's so true. And I find even too, with when, when my assistants are watching, um, and I'm explaining some things to them that my clients getting just as much out of it too. Like they're so fascinated by the why behind everything that we're doing. And I think that it makes them respect you even more as well, because now they're like, Oh wow. She's like, there's a lot that goes into this haircut or this color. Right. So yes, mm -hmm. I think that that's really, really really important. There is so much value in education and you're right. Clients love it. Mm -hmm. Like I have heard people, I haven't done shadow days in my salon. It's something I'm entertaining doing once we get into a bigger space, but sometimes I've heard Sarah say, well, I don't think my clients would like to have somebody come in shadow and watch me. I'm like, oh no, clients like you to feel like a big deal. Like clients like to know, like, why are you cutting my hair this way? And even if you're not telling your client that you're telling the assistant that like they learn, like you just said so much from it. And they also see the level of um, education that you've put into yourself in order to get the result that they're wanting. It's not just, oh, I saw this in a video and I'm going to hold the hair up and cut it on square layers. Like there's a reason behind these things that you do. And when clients perceive that as a high value, when you do have a price increase, they're like, yes, take my money and go learn more things. Cause I want the best. That's really how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have even, um, like formulation days. So I have days where I'll get my client to, uh, pick a color. I say, you know what you pick whatever color your heart desires that like you know, something that you've always been scared to do, but you think would be so cool, pick a color. And my client or my assistant is going to formulate that color for your hair. And it just gets like everybody involved, right? Like they're not actually getting that color, but 
they're looking at their hair and going to formulate what they would do for that, for that color um, that my client has chose. So it kind of just keeps like everybody involved in like kind of a game between all of us. Um, and yes. they have fun with it. Mm-hmm. That's super fun. It's challenging too. I mean, I think some of the most memorable times that I've had as either an assistant or even in beauty school was like the color correction days, even if it was on a swatch, it was like, okay, here's your target color. Here's where your starting point is go. And you're like, Oh shit, here we go. (laughs) But you learn so much from that. It was, it's actually really fun to do that. Mm, Absolutely. Um, so kind of shifting into the education side, um, do you have like a set schedule for how you educate your stylist? Cause there's obviously like so much to go over. Um, do you have like a set schedule of, or, or an outline of how you do your education with your stylist? Do you take time outside of your schedule to do it? Or do you block days off? Um, how do you work that out? So we, I've done, I've done it all. So Commission style salons definitely had a lot more structure where we would have a designated day that was like three hours, let's just say. So I've been, done anything from like once a week to like say it's once every three hours, once a week to every other Monday. It just depends on how you want to outline that. And yes, you can totally have like a structure of like, here's where we're going to be building upon our foundations of haircutting from like learning our lines to our shapes, to then connecting the dots of the graduation and then moving into color and placement and um, really getting the, all the components put together. So it's taking what they learn from school and building upon that and then doing more advanced stuff. So there is definitely an outline that I followed in the past. Um, starting off with who I have right now with me is we did start off having that type of foundation. And then I quickly realized that between doing that and then also building my business behind the chair, that it was getting to be a lot. And there were things that she was feeling confident in. There's things that she still has more room to grow in. So where we've pivoted is that her days that she has on the floor, her new talent days, gives her that opportunity to work on her skill set that she's strong in and improve upon that. But as well, there's days that she um, brings intentionally people in that are more of like a struggle for her. Like let's just say graduated Bob, where she's like, okay, I'm bringing somebody in. I make sure I align my schedule on a Saturday to come in for three hours with her. And I support her with that shape of and walking her through it. So to me, it's kind of at a place because we've been through some foundations that it's, where do you need more support? Where do you feel like you're not excelling as quickly at? And then we start to work together on it. And I do find, especially as an independent stylist now that I put a lot on her. Like if she wants to go and learn more than what she learns or than what she knows, excuse me, then I kind of put it on her to say, do some work and research on your own and then come to me when you're ready to work on it. Because I've realized that I can't want something more than she wants it. So if I'm like, no, 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 you need to learn your shapes better. Or you need to learn your contouring and balayage better. Like I can't tell her to do all these things. Cause one, she's going to be an independent stylist one day. And two, um, because I know that even if she does stay in my salon as a, as a suite renter or a booth renter per se, that it's a different program than it would be if it was a commission structure. So understanding your structure, understanding who you're building and why you're building them is really important. And as long as she feels like she's getting what she needs out of it, and I feel like her quality of work is to my expectation, it's a win all around. I kind of have deviated a little bit away from the days where you had to learn it all. Like you had to learn how to do a great men's cut and how to do a great woman's pixie and how to do a great long shape. And I think it's important to know those things. Don't get me wrong. But there are years upon years to learn these things. And to me, it's like, what can we hone in on that she's going to do really well with from the very beginning? 
And then as she continues to learn and grow, as we all do in the industry, she can start building upon those other areas that she wants to build upon. And if she doesn't want to do a men's cut ever in her life, I don't really care personally. Like it's not going to affect my business. And even if I had a salon that was a commission salon, it's still not going to affect my business because I'm not going to put some, something in her chair that's going to make her uncomfortable. I don't think that's what builds a good stylist. And this is probably going to be something that may not land with everybody, but I want stylists to do what they feel is going to enrich their life and make them feel really good behind the chair and not have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's actually a really good point is not to, cause you know, we try to get them. We, we want them to be so comfortable on the floor. We want to be comfortable with putting them on the floor that they know everything and really like think of back to when you first started in this industry, like how much did you really know? Right? Like I struggled so much with things. I remember the first balayage I did. I went in the back room and I was like, who can teach me balayage in five minutes? Because, or it was ombre. Sorry. At the time, right? right. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea how to do that. And it was literally learning as you go. And yes, you're going to make mistakes along the way. So I think that that is a really, really great point to drive home because they're not going to know everything right off the hop and they're going to learn things as they go, no matter what style it is. And I mean, I do run a commission salon. So for me, it is a little bit different in that sense where, you know, yeah. you people to be comfortable with things and, and, um, there might be a day where they get that men's cut in their chair. Right. And, and they aren't super comfortable with it, but they have to learn as they go. Right. And maybe that client's going to go to somebody else in the, in the end or whatever, but, um, but yeah, that, that is a really great point because they won't know everything (laughs) right off the hop. So we have to like, stop putting that pressure on ourselves. Right. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off everybody. I mean, I think cause I, I'm at a place and this is totally different conversation, but I'm at a place where like right now I'm doing a a booth rent salon, but down the road, I might switch to commission. Who knows? I've, I kind of just like to play around the industry and see what feels best. And when that time comes, if I did pivot into a commission, like, yeah, my, I'm going to change my tune. It's going to be a little bit different. There's probably going to be a lot more systems in it. Like here's the components to, like I mentioned earlier, building upon like your shapes first and how, what we need to learn, but do they need to get everything right all the time? Like to me, that's not necessarily important. As long as they can cut like a straight line and they understand the shape of layers. Like most of our clients that come through our doors are what we call commercial. Like they look like commercial hair where it's what they see in a magazine they want. Like very rarely do we get those people that come in who want like precision Vidal Sassoon haircuts. And if that's the type of salon you operate, then know that and train them and understand that that's important to you. But it's understanding who do you cater to? What is your salon offer and services? And what do they really need to know at a starting level? And then build upon that. Like maybe even have an academy within the salon that you have the foundational work at like a level one stylist. And as they move on to level two and three and four, that they learn those extra techniques that allow them to elevate and charge more for their services and have more confidence in what they do at a higher level of expertise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to pivot back to the booking, booking your time with your assistant, um, just so that can really drive home with people, because I think this is a really, it it can be a really finicky thing and depending on the types of services that you do. Um, so do you just book on like the 45 minutes or do you, does it depend on the service that you do or how do you kind of work that out? Because again, there are some days that are going to be more haircuts or some days that are going to be more cut uh, colors. Um, so how do you kind of like 
pick your amount of time that you need per service. So I would say like 80 to 90% are booked on the 45. So haircuts are typically 45 colors are 45. Um, I know it sounds like a lot of time for root touch up because they can be done in less than 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So to me, when I have a client coming into my salon, I know, let's just say they are just a root touch up. They never do glosses. They never do a pull through on their ends. They never do highlights. (laughs) I'm going to change that to 30 minutes. Like I know that that's, I don't need 45. It's going to throw my day off if I do that, but that's not the norm. Most of my clients are 45 minutes. So like a partial highlight, I know is 45, a haircut's 45, a root touch up with what I call a 10 foils, 45 minutes. Like majority of my, of my appointments fit that time. So that allows me to fit in proper amount of time in between their processing to then do another haircut or another service that also fits that. Um, on the occasion where there's obviously a shift where there's a 30 minute appointment or an hour or more, because the bigger appointments for balayages and lifting color, those all take more time. Then I obviously adjust that. And then the flow of our day changes, but that's made well in advance. And I can kind of predict when that's going to happen and what we're going to do differently. So, um, I personally pre-book all my appointments out. There's maybe like 10% or less that do online booking, but I specifically keep those to like basic like cuts and color and things that can be just booked easily without having any, um, questions I should say online. Yeah. I think that's where the struggle comes because it's, it's knowing, how many of your clients are going to like book online that they're not going to necessarily be able to find the time that works for them because the computer is not going to register that, that there's right. So, um, I think it's a telling them to get on your wait list or something like that, or, um, giving you a call or, you know, sending a message or whatever, if they can't find the time that works for them. So, um, I know that that has been a struggle in the past for us trying to figure even out our, our timing, um, because there are some stylists who don't pre-book as much as others. And so trying to figure out like how you can fit those times in, um, technology is a great thing and it's not a great thing. (laughs) I agree with you. You know, I actually, so for the longest time, my booking would be like 30 to 45 minutes, depending on appointments, 30 minute processing, and then the finish time, whatever that looked like for that guest. And I was probably like five years ago, I pivoted to 45, 45, 45, and it changed my schedule. Like it allowed me to book with less anxiety because if I did run behind, I gave myself a little bit of wiggle room. Even if I got done somebody early, it gave me that opportunity to like take a breath, reset my station before my next appointment. Um, and it gave that my schedule an opportunity to get in haircuts better while I was doing another service. So I didn't feel like I was like crunched for time. So it took a little like shift on my mindset behind the pivot of my uh, schedule change for being on the 45, but it really helped in the long run with, I think, double booking for us. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, this is a great conversation. I love this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, we jam out well on this, but yeah, yeah. I'm excited. It's uh, I'm excited to hear like how things go for you within your business. Cause you guys, obviously you have assistants currently, correct? Yeah, we have, um, I'm the only one in the salon right now who has an assistant. Um, but we we've had some on and off for the last three, four years. And I think it's always just like, so we follow the summit salon business, um, uh, program as well in our salon. And, and some of the things that they say, I I just, where I really struggled with it was, um, 
having the assistant do a lot of like the colors and stuff, because I, I, I love doing colors, So I still want to do that. Right. Um, and, and I want to be able to utilize them to their best of their ability and, and be able to educate them. But it's all just also just kind of trying to find that flow because I do so many different types of services. So, um, that's where I think the, the biggest struggle was. And I know even just listening to that, that clubhouse room, um, where you guys were talking about that, I feel like that was a lot of the questions that people had was, just really not knowing how to book the times properly because there are just so many different kinds of services. And so, um, yeah, I'm just still figuring, kind of figuring it out and we are shut down right now. And so, um, when we get back, I'm doing a lot of training right now with my assistant. So like the moment we're open, like we are on it. (laughs) Yes. That's so good. Yeah. So I'll have to, and I mean, I'll have to, because I'm, you know, backlogged by two months of people. So we have to be able to try to find, um, find room for those people. So it's going to be a learning curve just in that itself. But I, know. I remember reopening here in, in uh, the States mm-hmm. and yeah, those first like, man, those first eight weeks were tough. Like it was like, you could not work enough hours, but yet you're setting boundaries. I don't think I could have gotten through without an assistant to help me because they did help utilize and create better flow. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, you know, I think when it comes to each stylist and salon about figuring out what is going to be best for your situation, like there's no right or wrong. Like if you choose to have your assistant do root touch-ups, I think it's all, it all comes back down to the conversation you as a stylist have with your clients. And I remember having these conversations with my clients, especially new clients to the salon. I'd say, you know, here in the salon, we're an education-based salon. And we also have our assistants work very heavily with us. So they will be doing your root touch-ups. I'll be formulating. And I always come back by and check to see how your coverage is. And if there's anything that needs adjusted, I will adjust it for you. So it gives them like assurance that like they're training and they get to build a relationship with that client at the same time, you still oversee it to make sure that everything looks good. And I think it just kind of became like second nature to me at that time uh, when I was utilizing an assistant that way that allowed me to to book even more. Cause it was, it went from booking to double booking to like triple booking because of having them do that third person as a root touch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think as the stylist, it's also just like letting them have that or putting that trust in them. Yeah. Right? So just, I, I think sometimes we get in our heads of like, Oh, you know, everything has to be perfect. And especially if we are a perfectionist, it can be really hard to kind of let go and let somebody else take over um, that service. But they are learning at the end of the day and, and our clients have to know that and be aware and that we are always there to serve them at the end of the day, but, um, and we'll always go and double check the work and all of that. Um, but I think that sometimes that is like a hard thing to, when you have never had an assistant. And I remember that in the beginning was like, Oh my God, somebody else is touching my client. Like, (laughs) so it's, it's just allowing them to, to have that, um, not freedom, but just like, you know, letting them do their thing and, and at least having their back with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of letting go of control. Yes. Still, you are in control. you obviously have to be in control of that opportunity of that situation, Mm -hmm. but you also have to let some of that go and like not micromanage as much and allow them to, let's just say they make a mistake, but that's all going to ride and fall on the training you give them before they're allowed to do that on the floor. Mm -hmm. Are there still going to be mistakes? always, that's always going to happen. Um, but it's what you do and how you respond to that, which is going to be like the opportunity for them to learn and grow with you. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Awesome. And I, you know, it's funny because now I've like started these uh, scenario questions, but we already answered all of them. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no, thank you very much for joining me on this because I, again, this is like a really important topic to talk about because so many people do still have so many questions. And I feel like, you know, it's not something that's taught in school at all. Um, so it is something that we kind of have to learn on our own. And if there are people who can give us guidance and how they do it, then hopefully that can help us all to kind of find our place and how, how we're going to run our salons and, and our assistants and all of that. So thank you very much for spending your time with me and chatting, um, on this topic with me. Uh, and yeah, hang, hanging out. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It was super fun. I feel like we could talk about this for probably like two more hours. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll probably send you a few more questions after. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. where can people find you and, uh, what do you have coming up next for you in 2021? So I can be found, uh, first and foremost on Instagram. So it's, I am Alora Elizabeth. And I also have a Facebook group called the elevated hairstylist that you can join in. Um, I, I share a lot in that group as well on Instagram. Um, I have a couple free downloads that you can do as a stylist where it's actually, I did recently a three, let me rephrase that a free three part training. It's a video series with workbooks. Um, and as well, a second workbook that I did about becoming an abundant hairstylist. So all things to help empower hairstylists to grow and learn beyond what they already know. Um, and what I have coming up for 2021, that's a great question. I am in the midst right now of launching, or I'm sorry, I'm in the midst of running my first group coaching program of this year. Um, I took a year off of group coaching because I just was like with everything going on and the pandemic and then pivoting salons. I'm like, I just needed a break. So I went to more one-on-one coaching, but I'm getting back into group coaching. So our first round's going right now. And then September will be our second round of the glass ceiling Academy right before the holidays so that will build you right up until December, which will be perfect timing to then get focused on building your business because December's crazy. And then we have January and we're back into 2022, believe it or not. So <laughs> this year is going to fly by really fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh it, I feel like it already has though. <laughs> it has. Oh my God. It totally has. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on here and um, we will have to catch up soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be on here and chat with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Secret Life of a Hair Sales. I hope you enjoyed this one. I know it was a great one for me. And if you enjoyed it, please leave a review, leave a comment, uh, send me a DM, whatever you would like. Share it with your friends uh, so we can keep this podcast going. And uh, just wanted to send out a friendly reminder. I do have a few spots left for my brand audit uh, that is happening right now. You can head to my website at samanthalacoste.com and sign up for one of those through there under the courses section in the website. So enjoy the rest of the week and we will see you on the next episode.